Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, how about some tech gumbo for the day? Sounds great. So let's start off with some news and updates. And you're going to notice a little bit of a trend here on, on this episode of Tech Gumbo. We're going to spend some time on, on cybersecurity. The first story we wanted to talk about you may have heard about the iPhone that was stolen. Then this woman's entire life got turned upside down and she got robbed of everything, and including her Apple account. This is really tough. So it was a story that was in both the Wall Street Journal and the Business Insider. It was an interview with this woman who was out at a bar in Manhattan. Someone who she had had, had a conversation with snatched her phone and then before she knew what she was doing, the person had gotten into her account and changed the password to her Apple account and then reset the password. And then now they completely had her dead to rights because they saw her enter in her passcode into her phone. And from there, they were able to grab a hold of the password and then from there, empty her bank accounts, empty her credit cards, set up new credit cards, empty those as well. This woman had a tough time. And then when she tried to reach out to Apple for help, they couldn't and wouldn't help her because she could not authenticate who she was. The password to her account had been changed and Apple was saying, sorry, our security features, we don't know that it really is you. And so this woman's entire life, entirely dependent upon her phone, just got obliterated. And she's not the only person. This is a wave of crimes that we've seen in several places across the country. And we've talked on the show in the past about the problem with having your phone be the single point of failure like this. It's because we talk about two-factor authentication. Well, the assumption of two-factor authentication is that you have your device. And if someone else watches you put in your password and it's just 
four numbers or it's six numbers to get in. And then those four or six numbers get you into everything else. And then if someone were to request an authentication text or authentication email, guess where they go? They go to your phone, which they already have access to. And so one of the things which you can do here, which we did after reading the story, was make sure that all of our financial apps, any credit card apps, Venmo, Chase, whatever, all of your bank apps, make sure they require additional biometrics to sign back in. So for me in an Android, it's a thumbprint scan. For you in the iPhone, it's a facial recognition. Something so that it's not just once you're in the front door, you have everything. That's right. If you've got an iPhone, go to your settings, go to face ID and passcode, put in the six-digit code, and then make sure you toggle on facial recognition for, for everything. There was another guy who had their, their phone stolen, and the thieves went in, got into his phone, went into his photos, and then as they're scrolling through the photos, realized this guy had taken a picture of his passport, had taken a picture of his direct deposit f a form for his paycheck, his health insurance, his driver's license, and they had everything on this guy. And there was nothing he could do because likewise, to the first person, locked out of their account. So his social security number, his passport, his driver's license, picture IDs that he, the thief could apply for credit cards and bank loans or any kind of thing. And nobody's going to say no to that because I've got a passport right here. So many times you have to take a picture of a document to upload it or you take a picture of a document for one reason or another. You know, maybe it was a picture of your COVID card or whatever. And so if you don't go back and delete those out of your phone, they're still there. And so the guy said that he saw a folder had been created with all these documents in it. Yeah, and as you said, one of our assumptions around security in general is that no one's going to have access to all those pieces of information about you. And that's, if they do have access, then they must be you. That's the only way that they have all this information together in one place. But because with the Apple setup, you can have your address, you can have, you know, your phone number, you can have all this information. And then when you start tying together those other government issued numbers, well, then it's really hard to prove that that person who says they're you is not actually you. It really is a scary thing. So number one, you've got to do a better job of taking care of your phone. We saw... Down here in South Louisiana, we just had Mardi Gras. There was several people who were arrested in connection with the pickpocketing theft ring. These were people from South America who were part of a South Florida syndicate of pickpocketers. And the police caught them with about 160 or 170 smartphones. And what are these seven people doing with 170 smartphones? Oh, yeah, they're wiping them and selling them. It's hard to turn over 16 or 17 phones, but 160 or 170, this is organized. They were prepared. They knew what they were doing here. And so, you know, once again, protect your phone physically and then protect your phone digitally. Make sure that your sign-in requires some additional form of biometric, make sure that it's it's not just the simple four-digit pen. Do things that you put the layers in place so that even if someone gets a hold of the physical device, it's not just 
the complete portal into everything about your existence. Yeah, that that back pocket with the phone hanging half out of your back pocket may not be the best place for your smartphone. You're asking somebody, waving that red flag, here it is, come take it, and and they will. Moving along, I wanted to talk about Microsoft Defender, and they're going to be releasing a newer version of Defender that's going to help stop corporate cyber attacks. Yeah, Microsoft has very much been about corporate office suite of tools for a long time. And this is just another feature that they've also invested a lot in cybersecurity, cyber defense. And so by having Microsoft Defender be a first party tool, which is actually worth having, worth doing its job, and they're actually taking some pretty cool steps here. That's right. This is all about stopping ransomware and business email compromise. The way this works is once the once the Microsoft Defender notices a disruption, it, it goes into three stages. The first stage, the, the attack is detected. There's high confidence that it's just been established. In the second stage, there's a few different scenarios which are classified as to how what assets the attackers are actually going after and or controlling. And in the last stage is there's an automatic response that triggers an action from Microsoft 365 Defender, and, and it will contain the attack and it minimizes the impact. This is a good thing for corporate email structures. Oh, absolutely. There are some people in the cybersecurity professionals who don't like how much of this is automated, but Microsoft understands those concerns. That's why they work very hard to set high confidence thresholds. They're not going to perform these steps if they're not very sure of what they're doing and that they really are just trying to raise the floor on what cyber attacks will be effective against companies. Another story that we've been talking about for a little while is this cyber attack, not Petya. And was it a warlike act or was it not? A fun story we've been covering for a little while is this back and forth between Merck and their insurers about whether or not the not Petya attack was warlike. Merck is the pharmaceutical company and they're saying that it should be covered. The insurers are saying that it was warlike and that it's not covered. That's right. This is a $1.4 billion lawsuit against the insurance companies for Merck. And the lawyers representing the Merck's insurers are saying not Petya was massive, but it was not a virtual cyber nuclear attack, quote unquote. They're saying it was a virtual cyber nuclear attack, but the the United States didn't say not Petya is an act of war against the United States. No, no military response was launched. So therefore, it was not a real war. This is some high-end lawyering going on here. And fun to sit back with a you know bag of popcorn watching the movie, but man, it's got a lot of big implications. Yeah, you know, it, it gets especially complicated because we have a very strong indication that it came from Russia, that it was very likely state-sponsored. This was organized. This was widespread. This was teams of people working for a very long time. This we, we know for certain. This was not just one hacker sitting in his basement. This was a lot of people who knew exactly what they were doing and needed a lot of resources to get there. And... Russia is one of the few places in the world which could even possibly do this in the first place. Oh, and it has a lot of their fingerprints 
all over this. But until there's a signed piece of paper from the U.S. government that says this was a warlike act, then I kind of side with Merck here saying that it's not officially a warlike act. And so the insurers, in my completely non-legal opinion, might end up having to pay this one. It's going to be interesting and and I kind of think the insurance companies are going to win on this because because until the United States government actually declares war, then it's not a, a an actual warlike attack. And so that's the only thing that's going to allow the insurance companies to, to have to pay out as if they were a, a, an act of war that, that did it. And so we'll see how this plays out. Be fun to watch. Another story going on, hackers have been circulating Mac malware via a pirated software torrent that some people who had created a pirated version of the Apple Final Cut Pro, which is a video editing software and normally cost about 300 bucks. They were pushing around a bootleg copy and this bootleg copy was just cluttered with all kind of malware. So there's a lot of different types of malware. And interestingly, this one wasn't necessarily interested in ruining the life of the user. What they were trying to do is they were just trying to mine for cryptocurrency. And so one of the fascinating things that they did here was they had a little check in place so that if the user said, huh, my computer's spinning a little harder than it should be. Let me go into the activity monitor to see what's up. It would immediately close itself out. And so there would not be anything suspicious there if you sat there and poked around the activity monitor. And it would stay dormant until the next time that you launched that Final Cut Pro, which had the malware baked into it. I think that's just incredibly clever that they've thought about, okay, how are we going to get caught? What can we do to avoid that? The one real way of, if you did have this bootleg software, go download the, the latest version of the operating system, the Mac OS Ventura, and that basically will prevent that bootlegged version of, of that software editing program from opening. So that basically renders that program useless. Other than that, trying to uninstall it, it's still may leave some some malware behind. So you have to be very careful. Good luck with that out there. Yeah. And so this is just always one of the things that you risk whenever you are out there downloading pirated products, whenever you are out there surfing the the pirate bay, you know, there <laughs> there are people out there who know what they're doing and take advantage of this situation. Yes, pirates are called pirates for a reason, because they like to steal treasures. The last story we wanted to get to is redline information. Popular websites such as Chrome and Edge and, and other browsers that store your passwords is a really bad idea. Yeah, they found malware is targeting those specific browsers looking exactly for the passwords that you're storing there. They are know that those are just treasure troves of information and that if they can find some malware, some way to sneak in or to sniff the passwords or do whatever they can and siphon those outs, they have the key to so many places of your life. 
A real world example was presented by the analyst where a remote employee lost the VPN credentials and the actors who use the information, they hacked back into the company three months later, even though the computer had anti-malware solutions installed, it failed to detect and remove this redline stealer, which is the name of that software that was looking to get passwords out of out of the browsers. Yeah, this is a big problem because it affects all kinds of Chromium-based browsers, and that would be Chrome, Edge, and Opera, because they're all are built on the same fundamental software. And if you're someone like myself who has all of your passwords in Chrome, this is one of those ones that makes you, you know, take a deep breath because you are vulnerable to this and that there are some things you can do, but if they are inside of Chrome itself, if they are able to manipulate the functions of Chrome, such as the Chrome password grabber, the Chrome password, the Chrome protect data function, and they also have the Chrome unprotect data function, then you're really just kind of toast at that point in time. The thing that you can do when you know using with your browser, you can go to your login credentials and you can start requiring multi-factor authentication. You can, instead of using your particular password that you may have created, you can have Chrome create the password for you and encrypt it so that you never even know what that password is. There's a lot of different things that you can do, and we've talked about them through the years on how to protect yourself. Using password managers is a very good thing unless it was LastPass, which we've talked about recently, but we'll get back to LastPass another time. Yeah, and that's that's what makes this so hard, is that there's no one set of solutions which we can recommend which will keep you 100% safe 100% of the time. That as we move more and more of our lives digitally, you just oh, there are more and more vectors for attack. There are more and more surfaces to attack. And the best you can do is the best you can do. And that, that's why we give you different strategies, different solutions, such as this multi-factor, such as using these password managers, because these are really good solutions, which will help you most of the time. But there's nothing which is bulletproof. There's nothing which is 100%. You're going to be exposed to some level of risk. And the whole consortium of Microsoft, Google, Apple, and and them trying to put together the, the the idea that you don't need passwords anymore, can't get here soon enough to move to a pass key environment is just something that has to happen sooner than later because we spend so much of our lives with these computers, with our smartphones, and we go to apps and we go to websites. And when all of our information is hanging out there, all protected by a password, and all of your passwords are now exposed, you're going to have a bad day for quite some time. Yeah. And, you know, even the biometrics are an improvement, but biometrics are not perfect. And so this is this game that we play, and that's it's this constant, you know, sword and shield between you have the good guys who are trying to protect us, you have the people like Microsoft who are building these tools, but 
because there are people out there who are intelligent, who are malicious, they were always sit there trying to find the holes, trying to find the vulnerabilities, and they're good at what they do because they can make money off of it. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.